say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Chris Jameson. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. And welcome in, everybody, on this Wednesday in the Cuse, Central New York, Utica, Rome, wherever the heck you feel like being today on QSportsTalk.com. You can be wherever you want to be on QSportsTalk.com. Or if you're somewhere you don't want to be, even better, bring QSportsTalk.com with you. Make it somewhere you want to be. We're where we want to be. Rolling along today. Halfway through the week, talking Q soups a little bit today. We're always talking Q soups. It's National Signing Day. The Orange have a long snapper, people. Officially, I think. National Signing Day is uh, no longer really a thing on National Signing Day 2. Kind of a dud of a day on the football schedule, but we'll hit it a little bit. That was their football news today. Did something happen in the football world today? What are we, what are we talking about in football? Anything happen in football today? Try to figure that out. Guests on the program. We've got two of them. You know, it's almost like I planned this out. I didn't, but it's almost like I planned this out on National Girls and Women in Sports Day that both of our guests today happen to be women. I'd, I'd love to say I take credit and planned it out. Uh, no, no, that's just uh, they're part of our regular guests. We like talking to these people, whatever day of the week or year or month it is. Kelly Gramlich will be joining us at uh, 2.30 from the Gramlich and McLean podcast and from ACC Network. Uh, we'll talk to Kelly about many, many things. Uh, she and Eric just recorded the emergency ACC schedule release podcast. So we'll we'll talk to her about that. Uh, they also just uh, did their, they've been going through doing a podcast reviewing all of the football seasons of all of the teams in the league, and they just did Syracuse. So we can do a, a, little, uh, a little rewind. Outside eyes, put back on what happened this fall on the Orange. Uh, hit that. Get Kelly's thoughts on the ACC football schedule this season. And Kelly is one of the lead women's basketball analysts for ACC Network. She used to play at uh, Clemson, for those that did not know. And uh, we'll get her thoughts on uh, Syracuse women's basketball, year one of Felicia Leggett-Jack. And uh, what's up in the league? We've spent the whole year asking the question, who's the best team in the ACC on the men's side of things? It is uh, more and more by the day revealing itself to be Virginia after Clemson's kind of dud of a loss at Boston College last night. Though, it on the women's side, I thought in Notre Dame had kind of seized it, and they may have seeded things back. It's a bit of a quagmire at the top of the ACC standings on the women's side with Notre Dame and Duke and Carolina and Florida State and Virginia Tech and NC State. It's a, it's a mess. A big old mess. We'll see if Kelly has any insight uh, to that mess at 2.30. Uh, coming up at 3.30, we never really did a um, a proper Buffalo Bills season retrospective. The Bills, you know, after being Super Bowl favorites essentially from the second last season ended and high hopes, being on the verge and all of the things that the Bills were in relation to this year and the playoffs and the Super Bowl, and then to have the season kind of fizzle out and end on the dud of a loss to Cincinnati a week and a half ago. We, we just we needed a 
a moment of perspective. We needed space. We needed time. We've had a week and a half now. That's plenty, right? We'll talk to uh, Heather Prusak of uh, CBS in uh, Buffalo, friend of the show, on, uh, you know, where, where are the Bills at? What is their offseason needs and plans? What can their offseason needs and plans uh, be when, you know, so much of your salary cap is tied up in the likes of uh, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Vaughn Miller? And even though he was not a divisional nemesis anymore, We'll talk about uh, the effect of Mr. Thomas Brady and his retirement on the Buffalo Bills because, uh, boy, did he antagonize the Bills for a good um, 18 years or so by, uh, what's you know, never losing to them, essentially. When you can specifically remember the less than handful of times that the other thing happened, that tells you all you need to know. Uh, but that is the news of the day in the sporting world. Tom Brady has retired. You know... I thought the calendar tells me tomorrow is Groundhog's Day. Tomorrow, Bill Murray, Sonny and Cher, Groundhog's Shadows, Winter, you know, over and over again. And yet, somehow, for the second consecutive February the 1st, and welcome to February, people, Tom Brady has retired. He says, you know, for keeps this time. He also said it, like, in a selfie video on a beach. If only. But that's it. Tom Brady Tom Brady has retired for the second time. But he says uh, this one's for keeps. How old is he? 45 years young now. Somehow he looks younger by the day. I'm, not, I'm still not. He's Benjamin buttoning backwards. But Tom Brady, after, you know... A subpar season by his standards and by his uh, team's standards is uh, hanging it up for good this time. And uh, here was Tom uh, this morning. And as one does these days, uh, Tom also, I I still do wonder, and I'm going to guess the answer is no, but I I do wonder how this affected his thoughts last year, maybe rushed his decision. Like he got scooped on his own retirement. People were out there breaking news that Tom Brady was retiring last year before Tom had you know, deign to tell us all that he was exiting stage left. But uh, today, Tom, he took to the gram, he took to the Twitter, and, uh, you know, no production crews. It was just Tom and his phone sitting on a sand dune telling us that uh, this was finally it. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first, so I won't be long-winded. I think you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year, so uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors, I could go on forever. There's too many. Um, Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. And there, uh, there goes Tom off into the off into the waves. It's uh, a peaceful scene wherever he was, somewhere somewhere on the beaches of uh, Florida. Uh, But that that is uh, it. uh, Maybe we think for 
you know, if not the greatest football player of all time, and, you know, depending on your definition of great, that is uh, debatable, but as far as accomplished when it comes to uh, championships and records and longevity and all that in the modern era, you, you can't argue it. Uh, certainly at the quarterback position, won seven Super Bowls. Who else has done that? Uh, yeah. Nobody. That's the list. There's the list. One guy. That was the list at six when it came to quarterbacks as well. Then he's like, yeah, I'm going to go get one more. And, you know, as recently as yesterday, you know, when a, a guy is 45 years old in the NFL, of course, retirement is always a reasonable option due to the fact that there's nobody else that's 45 in the NFL or 44 or 43 or anything resembling close to his age, certainly at his position. That's not a kicker or a punter. But, like, as of yesterday, you know, the fun talk of the last month or so has been Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. Could he be the next Tom Brady? Could he be this? Could he be that? And then UCL injury. Who knows how long he's going to be out? Like, What's this now? Once again, free agent Tom Brady's hometown team, the San Francisco 49ers, the team he grew up rooting for, needs a quarterback? Hell, clearly he's going there. I would concocted a whole plan that the Niners were going to have Brady and Purdy and Trey Lance next year. And money left over for all the rest of their pro bowlers. Realistically, they could have done it. And maybe still can or not. It feels like, though, most people think Brady's actually legit Dunzo uh, this time. But we shall see. And, you know, there are are local ties to it. You think back to uh, Syracuse. Syracuse and Michigan played there in 1999, 98 and 99, Uh, but 98 in the big house. So Donovan McNabb's senior year, Michigan is the defending national champions. Brian Greasy has exited to the National Football League. And Tom Brady was one of the group of Michigan players uh, attempting to take over a quarterback, and he was in the game against the Orange that day in the uh, the Big House. And one of the highlights that you know we've seen over and over again, and has played over and over again on certainly Dwight Freeney's highlight reel, is Dwight sacking Brady in the Big House. Now at the time he was just sacking some guy. Like the video was not uh, of Tom Brady; it was uh, it's a Dwight Freeney highlight. It's not a Tom Brady highlight. It's a Dwight Freeney highlight. And they'll go figure all these years later, here we are where, what, a week or two ago, it was announced that Dwight is going into the College Football Hall of Fame. And next Saturday night, it is possible that Dwight will learn he's going into the Professional Football Hall of Fame. As that always comes out the night before the Super Bowl, and Dwight is one of 15 finalists in his first year on the ballot. He'll certainly be in the Hall of Fame Uh, sooner than later, but he's going to beat Tom there because Tom's got to wait five years from now. He'll be a first ballot guy, of course, uh, but not eligible as of yet. So, you know, it goes way back. This is as long as this dude's been playing. Like Dwight Freeney had a very long NFL career. But now here we are. Well, we're five years out already, and he's ready for the Hall of Fame. And you think back to uh, a guy like, I know there's a lot of Yankees fans within the the sound of our voice. You'll certainly remember the life and times of one Drew Henson. Now that never quite exactly worked out. But the guy that kept taking Tom's job at Michigan, even though Tom kept playing better than him at Michigan, was Drew Henson. Like they'd start Drew Henson in these games and be losing at halftime, then Tom would trot out at halftime, then Michigan would win. They'd do this week after week after week, and then eventually both would end up you know, Drew did his time with the Yankees, played some in the majors, and then went back to football and actually 
played a little bit for the Cowboys as Brady was winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl with the Patriots at this point. It goes back. Like all of these guys that have entered and exited stage left already while Brady has just been there, has been the consistent force and factor in the league for, oh, these many years. And uh, now he's gone. And the, the NFL's always good like that. There's always a little story, something, like the week before the Super Bowl week. Like there's only so much one can say about the Chiefs and the Eagles playing a week and a half from now. As uh, the torch in many ways surpassed and has been passed multiple times, it feels like, between Brady and Mahomes. You know, Patrick Mahomes' first AFC championship game was a loss to who? Tom Brady. In his penultimate game of the Patriots. Mahomes' first Super Bowl, right? It was a loss to Brady. With the Bucks. Before he got his against the Niners, who ironically did not have Tom Brady, but could have and clearly wanted him at, at some point. So it all it all ties together. Like when you were when you were a starting quarterback in the NFL for twenty one years, made the Super Bowl in ten of those twenty years and won it in a third of them. Like you are inexorably tied to every other freaking person in the whole gosh darn league. Uh, there's no way around it. That's just, like him or hate him. People are always like, "Well, you're a Giants fan. Do you hate Tom Brady?" Now, what's my problem with Tom Brady? My quarterback beat him twice in the Super Bowl. I'm good. It's the rest of you that are all screwed. My team beat him when it mattered. Yours didn't. And yours applies to basically everybody else in the NFL. Like everybody else in the NFL besides the Giants uh, were able to beat Tom Brady uh, when it mattered. That's why I half assumed like uh, this year when the Giants won their opening round playoff game. Like, well, I'm pretty sure the Bucks stink. Except... If the Giants are in the playoffs and have won a playoff game, that means at some point they must play Tom Brady. Those are the rules of football. So the Bucs, through no reason whatsoever, and the Giants will play in the NFC title game. And uh, both got absolutely obliterated in their next time out. So uh, the rule died a quick and fast death. But at the time, it appeared like it had no choice but to happen, even though it made zero sense uh, whatsoever. But uh, uh, that is it today. That is the big news in the sporting world. For the second time, both of them on February the 1st and 1st in 2022, and now again in 2023, we'll see if it sticks. Tom Brady has uh, retired. We'll hear a little sound of uh, others in the uh, sporting world on uh, Tom when we come back. Uh, your calls as well, 305-437-7044 for ESPN of 44. Kelly Gramlich of Gramlich and McLean, the podcast, and of ACC Network, the women's basketball analyst, will join us at 2.30 to talk football and hoops. I've enjoyed this. Uh, there's a lot of places doing it, but I, I've been keeping up on the Syracuse.com look back, the 20-year look back at the uh, 2003 season. They're just All they're doing is rerunning their articles of the games from back then. But it's fun. We're now getting into the point of the season 20 years ago with things business done, picked up. Uh, so we'll, uh, got to read Mike Waters' 20 years ago uh, this morning, we'll, we'll touch on one of the more memorable games of that season uh, 20 years ago when we get on in the program. And a little Bills talk, how it ties into Tom. And what in the heck are the Bills going to do this offseason as they've now gone from Super Bowl favorite to reasonably pretty clear third best in the AFC? What do they have to do to figure that out? Heather Prusak of CBS in Buffalo will join us today at 3.30. That's the plan. That's the program. We'll take a break. Much more to come after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Here's Ed Sheeran. 
Here we both are. He's more British. Rolling along on the show, he's going to talk to Kelly Gramick. We did go on. With lots to talk to Kelly about. She can uh, go deep on football and women's hoops. Women's hoops tomorrow. Blacksburg. Hopefully it goes better than the last time the Orange were in Blacksburg, you know. Saturday. Didn't didn't go as well on Saturday. May not go as well tomorrow. Uh, Virginia Tech, good. They got the twice reigning ACC Player of the Year and Liz Kitley. She is, uh, what's the word? Tall. 6'6". The Orange are, what's the other word? Not tall. That is a game preview for you. Now you are all ready to go for the game tomorrow night in uh, Blacksburg, Virginia. Uh, they had a really good team. That's a top 15 team right now. But it's uh, one of these opportunities, as Kelly talked about, that the Orange women, they, they are not a tournament team today. But they have a plethora of chances remaining down the stretch to become one. I think they don't have great wins. They don't have bad losses. They're just kind of sitting there. But they have a chance for these these wins coming up down the stretch. And uh, you know what? Uh, this year it's been fun. Syracuse.com and other places, but, uh, you know, I've been primarily reading on Syracuse.com. It's fun to read, you know, Mike Waters 20 years ago articles on the 03 National Championship team. They've just been, you know, reposting the articles that, they, that Mike wrote 20 years ago. And why not? Mike wrote it well 20 years ago, and he didn't screw it up then. Like, we can read it again. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but today is the 20th anniversary of that Pittsburgh game in the Dome with the triple court rushing. And that's one of those games. Like, if you think back to 03, like the the moments that are, you know, the, what are the moments that pop to your mind in in that season? It's like, okay, we, triple court rushing. It's like, all right, Carmelo in the opener against Memphis. You're like, wow, this guy's good. And like, Was that the Notre Dame game where Hack threw the ball 20 miles in the air, but there was still like 15 seconds left of the game, and it was bouncing around. And then there's the end of this pit game where Jeremy McNeil, who's shooting like 20% from the line, makes two free throws and then gets a putback. And then the orange storm the court, the fans storm the court, and then it's cleared. And then Brandon Knight for Pittsburgh gets a half-court shot to win it, except it's after the buzzer and the orange have stormed the court again. And Jim Bayham is on the mic yelling at everybody to get off the court. And referee Ed Corbett's over at the monitor trying to figure it out back in the days where monitors were not very easy to look at. And then waves it off and then storm the court again. Donatus Savatkis may or may not have punched an orange student right in the face on the court. Maybe. Good times, man. Like, you're thinking back to the moments of that season. It is fun to hit the specific dates on the season. The one we, I think we mentioned it last week, it was the 30-year date of one of just five losses on the season when Irve Lamazana, there's a name that I'd imagine Syracuse fans remember more than Rutgers fans, hit the bank shot at the rack to take down the orange. Really, the lone odd loss of the season uh, for Syracuse. But yeah, I, th- I think, you know, on the days where these come up, we're going to keep mentioning this uh, throughout the rest of the year because it, it is fun to remember. And now you're getting into the more and more, you know, the meat of it, or it was this time of the year where you're like, it was more than just, Hey, this mellow guy's pretty good right now. Like you remember that, like if you were in Syracuse at that time, 20 years ago, like the vibe was out there. Like, the country hadn't quite caught on yet, but we all knew. We all knew then that that team had a shot. Because I think if you were a Syracuse observer that season, and that was back before there was great, the, all the great players left early, like they were veterans, like they aren't had to deal with Nick Collison and the 
like the national title game. Connecticut had a Mecca Okafor. I mean, they were great, great players. T.J. Ford, obviously, at Texas, who the Orange beat in the, the semis. Like, it was not thought of. A freshman, best player in the country. That was not a thing that happened. So people weren't talking about Mello in that way. But we all knew. Everybody here knew. Everybody here knew that Syracuse had the best player in the country. Everybody. And I think we knew at that point that there was a chance for something special uh, that year. When you were winning games like that, too, with court rushings and all that stuff. And, yeah, Pitt would have been number one. I forget who was number one. Whoever the number one was that week had lost. Pitt was number two. They were, like, the whole talk of the game was Pitt's going to be number one for the first time in program history. The Orange had already played at Pitt earlier that season, lost to the Peterson Event Center that was... Billy Edelin's first game in an orange uniform after the suspension at the end of this. So they were going to sweep the season series, become number one. This young coach, Jamie Dixon, all that stuff. And then, no, Mello and Jerry and Jeremy McNeil having one of the great moments of his career down the stretch in that game. And the one nugget, this will get everybody from Mike's article. I don't remember this at all, but fun reading it. And even back then, 20 years ago, there was a, a wink of the eye and the whole thing reading it. You know what Syracuse played in the second half of that game 20 years ago against Pittsburgh? Came back from 12 down, won in the second half. You know what they played? Man-to-man defense. I'm going to duck for cover now. With that, we'll take a break. Hour two when we come back. Some football thoughts on this National Signing Day. Did anyone sign anything? I don't know. Is this a thing anymore? little football thoughts. Some news and notes elsewhere in Central New York. Perhaps the best current local athlete is on the move we'll tell you about that as well and a little bills talk at the bottom of the second hour when we'll be joined by heather prusick of cbs in buffalo all that as we mosey along on this wednesday afternoon here on qsportstalk.com and espn radio can we review our status here si let's look at this thing from a uh, from a uh, standpoint of status can't go backwards can't go forward what am i gonna you have nothing better to do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. Oh, this is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home, here's what's happened so far. All right, what have we done so far on the show today? We've done lots of things. Lots of things. We've talked about Tom Brady. I don't know if anybody has heard this, but Tom Brady has retired uh, from the National Football League. Again. It is Groundhog's Day a day early. We'll do that tomorrow. Tom Brady has retired for the second consecutive February 1st. He says this time uh, for keeps. So uh, fare thee well, Tom. I imagine we'll be seeing you on our television sets on Fox sooner uh, than later. But we shall see on that in due time. We talked to Kelly Gramlich of the Gramlich and McLean podcast at ACC Network about a football schedule, women's soups, all that good stuff we talk about with Kelly. And we reminisced. On 20 years ago today, Syracuse denied Pittsburgh the number one ranking in the country midway through their journey to the 2003 National Championship. Always good to look back on that year, and uh, I think we'll continue doing that as the year goes along. Why? Because it's good, clean fun. 
What's not fun about remembering back to that year? Especially during this year when things are not going as well as hoped. Let's remember back to the year where they went better than anyone ever could have hoped. Let's do that. But we arrive here today on this February the 1st, Wednesday in 2023 on National Football Signing Day. Again, like there's a lot of signing days now. There's the early signing day. There's the portal opening. There's portal stuff. There's portal closing. There's the second signing day. There's a third portal time. There's this day. There's that day. There's transfer here. There's transfer there. Like there used to be one big day and it was a big party. Now there's just a lot of crap all over the place. It's very hard to keep track of. And like, is there a better answer to it? I don't know. Maybe like it would be nice to sort of take care of the portal stuff, then get to signing day. That said, the early signing day has made it a lot easier for kids to graduate high school earlier and enroll in college earlier, and they like doing that. It kind of gets them ahead on things, so you're not going to go back on that. Then you got this later signing day. What's that here for? When are you going recruiting? Who's in the portal? Who's actually coaching the team you're committing to going to? Like, if you are a freshman or a senior in high school that signed under the dotted line back in early December... You may now be at a school that, like, half the coaches that recruited you are gone. Like, that's the case for Syracuse. And not Syracuse alone. Like, we've detailed en masse the changes in the Orange staff and all this stuff. And, you know, we talk about the Syracuse stuff specifically. But, like, if we did a show about half the other teams in the country, we'd be talking about the same thing. It's just the way of the world now. So the comings and goings are fast and they are furious. And uh, it is signing day uh, today. I, I think maybe he sent in his official stuff today. This was news we already knew. Like uh, last week, I think the Orange got uh, a commit from Tom Callahan. If you are into long snapping, and if you're not, this is not the program for you. We are all into the special teams game here on the 315. The Orange, and I say this actually in complete sincerity, have been perhaps the best long snapping team in the country for like the last decade. They had Matt Keller into Aaron Balinski. And, like, do you remember a snap that's gone wrong in the last eight years? You don't. The Orange have been more proficient than almost anyone out there in the country in long snapping. Now, in order to long snap, you either need to score or punt the ball, so it's either really good or really bad. But the Orange have been great about it and, you know, needed a new one. Aaron Balinski's eligibility has all run out. So they got a guy named Tom Callahan, a grad transfer from Fordham. Uh, But the news of the moment, of the minute, of the day, was not news we necessarily expected. We thought it might fly by today with literally zero high school seniors signing on the line for Syracuse, as it will, or very limited numbers for many teams, due to the portal, of which the Orange have used it plenty, and due to early signing day, uh, where most teams try to have their class tied up for the most part. But the Orange today got uh, the letter officially in. The fax machine was a-humming. Uh, the young man's name is Daryl Gill. He's from Humble, Texas. And if you are in a town named Humble, Texas, they take their football seriously down there. And if you're a town named anything, comma, Texas, they take their football seriously down there. Uh, we've been bemoaning the lack of wideouts coming into Syracuse. A lot of wideouts going out, nobody coming in. Well, Daryl Gill from Humble, Texas, all 6'3", 180 pounds of them, is headed Syracuse's way. So that is good. Dino getting a, a signee out of Texas. Now we'll see how good he is. He's not uh, currently, he's got no stars right now. You'd kind of rather have none than two. None just means you've been off the radar. Gill had been 
tracked by reasonable schools. He had offers from Purdue, Washington State, and South Dakota State. South Dakota State, I do believe, just won the uh, D or the FCS, the one double A national championship. So Gill was he's going to be in West Lafayette, or maybe uh, for that game against Purdue, one of the teams: Purdue, Washington State, South Dakota State. So you know, it's a reasonable list of schools that was looking at him, one of the best FCS teams, and then uh, two other, you know, kind of general mid-pack major conference teams. So that's who's coming in. Daryl Gill, 6'3", 180 pounds. He's also a track star, so says Mike McAllister's article on SI.com. And we tra- uh, Mike will be on, here's a tease, folks, Mike McAllister on the block with Brent X, 5.05 today, talking National Signing Day, and now they have somebody to talk about that is new. Gill listed 6'3", 180. Track star runs a 4440. That's fast. During his senior season in high school out of Humble, Texas, Gill had 55 catches for 1,148 yards and 12 touchdowns. So Texas high school football put up big numbers. You'll take it. You'll take it. So the Orange gets somebody on uh, National Signing Day. His degree plan is engineering. Okay. We'll see how that goes once he gets to college. I'm all for anybody pursuing whatever academic pursuits they want and like people that have uh, aggressive plans such as that. It is not always the easiest to fit the uh, schedule and timetable needed into both becoming a football player and an engineer. But uh, more power to young Daryl Gill if he can uh, pull that off. But that's coming up uh, with the roster starting to come together. We're not that far off from you know workouts and spring ball. The uh, spring game will be uh, on... ACC Network and all that stuff as they do now. That'll be uh, later on in April. Those dates were uh, came out yesterday, or Monday night as well. I believe April 20th, something like that. Not a, I'm not a huge spring football game guy due to, you know, nothing happens at it. But, it, you know, it's nice to get out and see the team. But it, crazy times here. It used to be at signing day, and, like, it was a big thing. Like, we did TV specials on it. Yeah, I had index cards out the wazoo. All these names of players that never actually did anything here. Shout out to K.J. Williams. Shout out to Marquise Blair. Like all these days where you made such a big deal. Now, you know, signing day is still big, but I think we've, you know, we, we've tamped down the, the bigness of it, which I think is good because some of the expectations of those, you know, if you're not getting literally, you know, the five-star guys, like some of the expectations of those, you're just picking guys out of a hat and, Saying what? Now you get them on campus. I always say, if you're going to get a class of X amount of players, if X divided by two end up being really good contributors to your program, more likely than not, you've done all right, as long as they just happen to be at the right positions. Because football is a volume game. Basketball is very different. It's targeted recruiting, and you need those guys to show up and do like more often than not. Football, you bring in a ton of guys, and if half of them are really good at football, you got a shot. Now, Georgia and Bama, it's like you bring in a ton of guys, they're all great at football, and you're great. That's a whole different thing. But, you know, that's the general thought on signing day. The The names don't matter today as much they'll matter in August and September, and even more so the August and September's down the line. But always good to see another guy uh, signing with the Cuse. This case, a young man from Texas, a wide out by the name of Daryl Gill. With that, a break, the 411 in the 315. A 315 native making news in her sport. We'll tell you about that on National Girls and Women in Sports Day when we come back on QSportsTalk.com at ESPN Radio.